That ghost tour just took a lot out of me. <laughs> it was so fun. It was. I Well, and then on the last episode, I said June 2nd. Let's see. Was a good time to party. Right? Yeah. It was a good time to party. And that <laughs> ghost tour was a lot of fun. It was. What was you it? did say that. Uh, or did you put that June in? 2nd, Venus will conjunct, your, conjunct Uranus. That's right. what I keep, keep laughing. Yeah, I said that. And then yesterday, there was, just, it was a lot of energy yesterday. Yeah. So now crashing <laughs> yeah i think there's some weird stuff going on astro astrologically at least yeah. in, in my life there's some weird stuff oh going no on. <laughs> oh also in the last episode we kept i kept clapping and you kept clapping. oh so and so that bad. like <laughs> that like blows off the love that like messes up the levels a lot so i'll try not to clap yeah i'm probably gonna i'll try that. not to have a good time <laughs> we can start there <laughs> you can Cut in, cut out all my other shit and come in. I'll try not to just, I'll try not to have any fun at all, Erin. Good. That, this is a serious podcast, all right? I do want to say something serious, though. Yeah. We can get started. <laughs> you take your headphones out. I can't, I can't handle, like, hearing myself. Yeah, it's, no, I just can't imagine. It's real hard. Um, I always appreciate you for trying. <laughs> yeah. I listen to it for like a second to like figure out the levels, but I always have like a mini panic attack when I start, like I'm always, I never look at the recording for like a full day because I'm afraid, like I'm like, what if it just, what if I lost the entire recording? Right. What if something happened? But it, like if I don't look at it, then it's there. Like, right, right, right. It's like Schrodinger. Schrodinger's cat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that one is. <laughs> It's when... Is that about the, the dead cat in yeah, the box? Yeah, the cat in the box. Like, the, the cat... <laughs> that is so fucked. Is that the dead cat But that box? is. Like, if you put a cat in a box with food, um, is it poisonous food? There's, like... I don't know. I'm not going to explain it well. Yeah, but it's something so... like, if, if you don't open the box, the cat could either be alive or dead. But if you open it and it's dead, you have effectively killed the cat. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because, like, it, if you don't open it, like, you don't know. So, it, oh, it could be alive. Okay, right, right. So, with me not listening to this for, like, a whole day, <laughs> I'm like, we have it. We have the recording. Right. There's no way that anything got fucked up. But then the second I listened to it, then, like, if it did get lost, then... It's your fault. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Were you working at Plowshares... When Marie was really mad at me because I kept laughing about that dead cat story. <laughs> no. I think you, you, wait, we started at the same time, so. But I, this was like weeks long. She read oh. a news story about a cat that I think like the cat had been hit by a car or like something happened to the cat and the family, the owner, whatever, buried it in their mm. yard. And like nine days later or something, a week later, the cat showed up. Like in their yard, you know, somewhere covered in mud. It I had, don't remember. It was like this. alive. And it dug itself out of its <laughs> out of its own grave, and I laughed so hard because I was like, "That would be a fucking cat just right? coming back from the dead." Nine days like, later, like showing up covered in mud, <laughs> tracking mud all through the house. Like, hey, bitches, I'm still alive. It's Rosa. Yeah, dirt on you. <laughs> and she was so pissed at me that I could not. Stop. 
<laughs> about this like fucked up cat coming back from the dead and she was like that's so mean like that cat went through a really intense experience and I'm like yeah but like cats are the worst like a cat would come back from the dead just to be like ha 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 <laughs> outsmarted you once again <laughs> Oh, that's great. No, I don't remember that. Yeah, it was a very tense moment in our friendship because mm-hmm. she's such a cat person and I'm yeah. a dog person. Yeah. Um, Unapologetic dog person. But I did want to say something serious before we... Can I say a serious Yeah. Thing? Okay. Should, wait. Should we say <laughs> who we are? <laughs> yeah. This is Adjunct Astrologers. I'm Michelle. And I'm Erin. <laughs> um, I guess I just wanted to say, I know... Last time, or the time before, we talked about... I did that thing with my mouth. Um, We talked about science, the relationship between science and astrology. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to, like, make it really clear that we believe in science. Oh, yeah. Climate change and... Mm. And not even believe, because I feel like that makes it sound like something that's unbelievable. Or, I don't know, faith. But that we're (laughs) pro-science... And we know that climate change is real and a threat. Yes. Especially in this time when the current administration is not necessarily agreeing that climate change is real. Because um, I read that that article that I sent you. The, mm-hmm. I read this article in The New Yorker that actually came out last year. But it's called Space, Climate Change, and Scientific Theories or something. Yeah, but it's a theory. I yeah. Think. It's written by an astronaut named Piers Sellers, and it's about how scientific theories are sort of billed as, like, the difference between a theory and a scientific theory are convoluted, like, often confused. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I just wanted to make it clear that even though we indulge in astrology, we also, like, know that science is real. (laughs) Did someone say something? No, no, I don't know. It just felt like an important clarification to make in this, like, what's going on. Yeah. The Paris Agreement and mm-hmm. all that stuff that, you know, we're not uh, anti-science. Yes. Yeah. I love science. Yeah. I feel like that's what part of our interest in this stems from Oh, science. yeah. I When I find the, like, I'll get into it later in my research, but, like, this time especially, I was like, I need, like, the hard data on this. Mm-hmm. Like, I need, like, I love data yeah. and, and numbers. Like, I, I need stuff to be backed up mm-hmm. um, with, like, numbers, with, like, concrete things that I can see. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'm always open to things being refuted by science. Like, when we talked about the full moon. And yeah. And it was like, you know, yeah. there's no science to prove that the full moon affects you. Like, mm-hmm. I'm always down to have that conversation. But climate change is real. Yes. Environmental collapse <laughs> is happening. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to make that clear. <laughs> Cool. If you don't, if you're a climate change denier, you're in the wrong place. Yeah, you've sorry. Come, you've come to the wrong podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So now we're talking about <clears throat> compatibility. Compatibility. Yeah. So we decided to research this because we work well together, right? And then our two friends that created the this music, they're a Capricorn and a Libra as well. Those are our signs. And they work well together, and they're, like, really close friends. So, yeah, so that's where we got the the inspiration from. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I looked up our compatibility, and I don't remember it exactly, but it's, like, not great. Yeah. So I was fascinated by, like, 
obviously that doesn't mean I'm going to be like, fuck you, Aaron, we're not compatible. <laughs> but yeah, we got interested in like where, how you think about compatibility astrologically. Yes. Yeah. Cool. So I think I'm going to go first. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited. I'm very excited. Yeah, me too. It's really interesting. And there were some good things that I thought were just like, that's a good way to think about relationships in general. Cool. Um, okay. So a lot of the stuff I'm going to say I got from this book called Sinistry by a guy named Rod Suskin. Mm. Um, and I didn't look him up, so I don't know if he's like a big name in astrology or not. I guess that was failure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just didn't cite my sources. This um, is for fun. Yeah, this is <laughs> Rod, if you're out there, <laughs> don't take it personally. Um, okay. All astrological techniques, of course, including deciphering compatibility, are derived from basic concepts like the planet, the signs, the houses, aspects. And if you don't know what some of those are, you could go back and listen to our fourth episode uh, where we talk about some of those things. But basically, even with a beginner's understanding of astrology, you can look at your birth chart or you can read about your sign and sort of find out things about your relationship, right? And a lot of times that's based on like one person. However, in compatibility and astrology, uh, which is also called synastry, mm-hmm. um, I was like looking for compatibility stuff and yeah. I couldn't find anything. And then it was like, it's called synastry. And then I found so much stuff. Yeah, synastry, which is spelled S Y N A S T R Y, synastry. Um, and that often deals with the information of two people. So instead of just thinking about like who you are compatible with, Synastry looks at the, like, actual details of two people or two charts. Um, And a good place to start when you're thinking about compatibility is someone's ascendant or rising sign. Um, And the reason that that Rod Suskin says that is because that influences your first impressions of of someone. Um, So, for example, someone with the moon in their first house will come off as private and sensitive. Whereas someone with Mars in their first house will appear confident and aggressive. Mm. So he sort of says that one place to start when you're thinking about relationships with with people, and and that could mean your romantic partner, a friend, a parent, a sibling, um, is to think of your sort of first impressions of that person. Um, But he also uh, makes a point of noting that this is only their outer appearance, um, Mm. and that a lot of times it's like the constructed appearance that they have. Um, but one of the things that I was sort of interested in is he, you know, poses this question of why compatibility or synastry is so popular because he, he said he's like a practicing astrologer and he finds that like the two most common things that people come to him for like a session, um, are relationships and money. Um, yeah. Makes sense. Relationships and money are like the two things that people want advice on. That's Mm -hmm. what they want guidance on. And um, one of the reasons he says that is because particularly with relationships, it's something that like you can be really sure of how you feel, but it's very possible you're totally unsure of how your partner feels. And one thing that he says is relationships get to the core of what it means to be human. Uh, They're related to our identity, our self-worth, our security, and even the elusive state called happiness and the enigma of destiny. So it's this idea that, like, 
through a relationship, he said something about, like, it's like looking in a mirror. Mm -hmm. Like, relationships are one of the primary ways we see ourselves. And that people seek advice because they're unsure of how their partner feels. They have questions like, are we compatible? Like, is this meant to be? Is this going to last? Are we too different? And the reason that a lot of people seek, like, astrological advice is because it it provides, like, a form of objectivity. So it's like a way, if you go to an astrologer or you read about it based on, you know, you input your information into some chart creation, like, online, uh, it offers you a way to think about it, like, you can separate your emotions from it Mm -hmm. um, if you sort of try to think about it more based on, like, patterns of behavior. A point that he makes that I really liked was that the notion of compatibility really varies according to who defines it. So not only like how you define it in your personal relationships, but also how an astrologer or a therapist or like, you know, a sex columnist, everybody defines it differently. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, people ask questions like, do we get along? Do opposites really attract, or is it better to be more similar? Um, Do we have to have the same value systems? So he really, like, emphasizes this idea that with, when you're thinking about astrological compatibility, it's important to remember that, like, it's not one size fits all. Yeah. Especially because when you're reading online about compatibility, like, if you just Google search, like, as a Capricorn, like, am I compatible with (laughs) Gemini's? Like, a lot of that is putting, it's just focusing on your sun sign, it's like one size fits all, it doesn't take into account that, like, people have different life experiences, people come from different backgrounds, different privileges, and astrologically, like, your ascendant is different, and Mm -hmm. all of these different things, so. And I also feel like it all concentrates on, like, romantic partners. Yes. Like... I'm like, what if I want to, like, see if how my friends and I get along? Right, right. And all of it's just like, will you fall in love with this yeah. guy? And I'm like, I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you going to have more passionate yes. sex yeah. with? Like, <laughs> like, oh, no. But I like this idea that you can think about it. Like, you can interpret a relationship with a parent or, mm-hmm. like, a co-worker. Um, so he offers up... Uh, a set of basic principles or criteria for compatibility, like, that don't necessarily even have to do with astrology. Um, The first one is verbal communication or expressing one's needs. Number two is rapport or nonverbal communication. Um, So I think that's just generally, like, your comfort level with Mm -hmm. someone. Uh, Number three is empathy or ability to relate to your partner's feelings. Number four is compromise or the ability to adjust one's own needs. Number five, the ability to respond to the specific needs of your partner. And number six is the likelihood of gaining or improving something through the relationship, uh, for example, yourself. So he says those are sort of the, the criteria that you need to think about when you're thinking about astrological compatibility. Like, how do our signs communicate? Mm-hmm. Um, how do our signs express empathy? Like, is our, do our signs have the ability to, like, relate to partner's feelings or, like, adjust our own needs to meet the needs of the partner? 
Um, so I thought those were just good principles for any Yeah, that like sounds Even if great. you're not into <laughs> astrology, I was like, those are, like, I think, like, empathy or the ability yeah. to relate to someone's feelings, that's so important. Was he anything else, like, besides an astrologer? Like, did he... I don't know. I didn't look him up, um, but he very much said in his intro, like, I'm a practicing astrologer. Okay. So I think that means, like, people come to him for advice and he does sessions with mm-hmm. couples or one person. But yeah, maybe he had like a counseling background. I don't know. And then, so this other book I read that was like a little bit weirder, it was called Midpoint Sinistry Simplified by someone named Aaron Ober. And I'm not sure of this person's gender, so I'll just say they. But a little bit more of the like nitty gritty. I like this explanation. So every stellar body, which I guess they mean like planet or moon or sun, every stellar body in your chart, as well as every stellar body in another person's chart, represent certain drives or impulses that act and react. Hmm. Um, So this idea that, like, back to this idea of thinking, like, when you're thinking of compatibility, you you can't just think about yourself. You have to think about that other person um, and how their impulses bounce off of your own. Um, And then another point that this person made, uh, which I think is just good relationship advice, (laughs) is before we ever hope to find and build a relationship with another person, we must intimately learn about our own potential for partnership. And they said that the way you do this is you study your own chart and you focus on your sun and moon signs. I like that. Yeah, so you you focus on which sign and house your sun and moon fall into. And the reason that is is because um, your, your sun, obviously, as Rod Suskin says, affects your like, your first impressions, mm-hmm. um, and the moon governs your emotions. So becoming really aware of how, you know, using those things to interpret your own personality can, like, better prepare you to interpret the way that it will interact with someone else's personality. Which is just, like, smart to do anyways. Like I know. I mean, just the idea, like, yeah, you got to know yourself yeah. before you can be with another person. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's it for me. Let me see if I had anything else. I, like, wrote all over the place. But I think, yeah, that was just sort of my intro to how you think about compatibility um, and those principles of, you know, how to, focusing on those six principles when you look at your, yeah. your charts side by side. Yeah, I really like that, like, yeah. studying your own chart. Mm-hmm. Because... I think that so often people are like, oh, the problem in the relationship is, like, this other person. It's what right. they're doing. Right. And it's like, well, how can I, how can I, like, what does that mean for me? Like, when mm-hmm. I get mad at things, I'll be like, okay, I know, like, the external force. Like, I'm mad because of that. But, like, why am I really getting mad at that? Right. Like, is it because it just is pissing me off or, like, because it's, there's something within me and I mean some people just suck but like (laughs) but I think it 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 does really get to this core of like like I think people think about compatibility in so many different ways like the love languages thing Mm -hmm. like I think that's a really just another way to think about these principles like for if you don't know what love languages are I don't remember who wrote them but some psychologists yeah and it's basically this idea that everybody has speaks a different love language and I think there are five or six of them, but one of them's like giving material gifts, giving quality time, mm-hmm. or giving verbal validation. And every person expresses their love through a different language. 
but they also might need to receive love differently. Yeah. So, like, for me, I really like verbal validation, but I don't give it. Like, the way that I express love is totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, and at, when Aaron and I used to work together, our boss made us take the love languages <laughs> quiz. <laughs> there was a one point where, like, everybody in the yep, office was everyone. taking... It was so enlightening, though, because... I don't remember exactly what mine was. Uh, Wasn't yours quality time? Yes, quality yeah. time. Which, yeah, that, makes like, sense. absolutely makes sense. Like, yeah. I will not remember your birthday, but, like, I will, like... Hang out with, like, if I'm spending time with someone, it's because I want to be right. spending time with someone. Like, I do not spend time with people I do not want to. Yeah. But I, I had a friend that she was very, like, verbal. Like, she needed that. Mm. And then when I didn't, she was like, oh, do you not want to, like, hang out with me? And I'm like, no, like, I'm hanging out with you right now. So, like, that means something. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, it all comes back to this idea of wanting to understand why things don't work or like how two people can it can be so complicated I don't know this has been the love (laughs) yeah modern romance yeah 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 cool yours like goes very well into into mine yeah it's great (laughs) um so I when I was started researching Mm -hmm. I was I was getting all these different things and like it was really aggravating me because it was just like this sign goes well with this sign. I'm like, well, no, there's not only 12, like, different type of people right. in this in this world. And, like, there's not only one type of relationship in this world. Yeah. So I... Preach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I wanted to, to like, dig deeper mm-hmm. and see kind of what different things, like, in your birth chart can, like, affect relationships and, like how looking at those things you can either think more differently about your relationship with someone or, like, just yourself, kind of like you were saying. So one, like, main way to do this is to compare where Venus is in your zodiac and where it is in your partner's zodiac or your friend or whatever. So Venus, as we know, is the goddess of love. Mm. Uh, She provides us with valuable insight, um... With matters of the heart is also like fertility, and she had a lot of lovers. I like did a little really? research on her. Yeah, she had two divine lovers. Um, Same, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, killing it. Yeah. Uh, Vulcan, who was her husband, and then she had an affair with Mars, and she had many children with many gods, and she also had mortal lovers, uh, most notably Adonis. Mm. Uh, So Aphrodite and Adonis, that's where, that's where that comes from. Uh, Venus's month was in April, so it was when most of her festivals were held, and it's a time of fertility. Okay. Like the spring and and all that. So where, where where Venus falls in your birth chart is important. So like, for example, I I just looked up examples uh, to kind of show what what this is but like I'm not going to go over every mm-hmm. every example like people can go on the website where I got a lot of this information from is cafe astrology astrology.com and it's like I yeah. really like that site that's where I was reading a lot of stuff that I felt like was on point yeah. information cuz they explain it in a way that like you can understand it mm-hmm. but it's not like like a column from like a magazine right. where it's just like two sentences. So yeah, they're they're really great. 
So say like Venus falls in Aries. Mm-hmm. That means that you are direct and upfront about love. Um, your nature is well developed, so like you're sure of yourself. And because like Aries is ruled by Mars, which uh, Mars is like outward activity and volatile. So you can also be prone to like sudden infatuation. If Venus is in Aries. Yeah, if Venus is in Mars <laughs> and you are often the pursuer. Interesting. Yeah. But they also don't like to be like tied down by their their okay. partner. So it okay. yeah. So it kind of makes sense. Like if you think about Mars and how that would like affect Venus and like the the love, it I think it makes sense. So if Venus is in a relationship with or if a person with Venus in Aries is in a relationship with a person Venus in Aquarius, um, that's a good thing because Venus, uh, because Aquarius is ruled by Uranus and Saturn, so they are planets of, like, freedom and revolutionary visions, so they kind of go well with this, like, this volatile person who, like, is always changing, and, like, oh, it's so, like, it's kind of like Aquarius is, like, open to change, and, like, so that, so... They're, like, willing to go along with, yeah. with this. So it they is, give each other the, like, space or flexibility. Yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. So, um, and they're both, like, partners that are willing to be independent. So I thought that was, that that's, like, an interesting thing to look at, too. Like, whether, because some people are, like, dependent on, on other right, people. And right. other people are independent. Um, and you can kind of find that out from your, where Venus is. Okay. Um, so that, so you can find out, like, a lot of these things and, um, it's just really interesting to like look at the details. So I looked up uh, <laughs> Venus in for my parents. Uh, <gasps> That's so cute. So okay. OJ and EJ. Um, <laughs> I don't know if they want their names said, so I'm just gonna leave it at that. Um, OJ is my dad, and EJ is my mom, and they've been married for almost forty years. Wow. Yeah, they've been married for a long time, uh, and they have a very like just solid relationship. So mm-hmm. like, I kind of wanted to see what what it what theirs were okay so my dad oj he is in air his uh venus is in aries so kind of the more like upfront and direct and volatile and like he's not volatile but he is just like a very direct person Mm -hmm. and like says stuff that might piss you off just like very very direct straightforward Yeah, yeah very straightforward he also had like Six conjunctions in his birth, which is wild. Interesting. Yeah, I any of the birth charts I've ever seen, you maybe have like one or two, right? But he had six in his. I don't know what that means. So my mom, EJ, she is a Venus in Virgo, and they are. That means that like you're very dedicated, and they show their love by like actions mm-hmm. and kind of, which is so true. Like even with like me and my sister. My mom will be like, like if we need something, she'll be like, oh god, like but but then she'll like go and do it, and right. like it's just very very dedicated to like, not just my dad, but like the people in in her life. Um, acts of kindness or yes. whatever that's her love language. Yeah, like, acts of service. I yeah, think acts of service for yeah. sure. Like she will do what like if she likes you, she'll like do what she can for you. Okay. Um, and they often show their love by nagging or criticizing, which I'm sure my dad would agree. <laughs> uh, yeah. So kind of by by looking at, at these, like, 
it said um, Cafe Astrology also has like these pairings mm-hmm. on there. Like they have so many different. It's a very it's a really cool site. Um, we're not sponsored. By them. I was like, <laughs> really like them. this is not a native. No. <laughs> what is it called? Native content. Or yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, Creative services. Yeah. So when these two people are in a relationship, um, it's a very, like, intellectual relationship. Mm, And they're very much, like, on the same level. So it's very much like a partnership. And not – there's no, like, dominant um, person in the relationship. Um, So that makes it, like, very solid. And it's not – I think the language they use was, like, it's not a flowery relationship. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So my parents are not, like, they're – it's practical. Yes, it's very practical. Like, they're very much in love, but it's very just, like, we are, like, adults and we are partners and we have been. And, like, so even when they would fight, like, it would still be, like, it's a solid grounding. Which mm. I think is, like, is good because I think it, like, gave my sister and I that. Um, right. So okay. it kind of, like, I can see the explanation of, like, this relationship and how it affected, like, my sister and I. Yeah. Which is really interesting. But then, like, a really funny thing is that, uh, what did it say? The the Aries Venus could be an impulsive buyer and spender, and the um, the Virgo Venus would be the one that would, like, be stable with money, which is so true. Really? <laughs> with your parents? Yeah. My dad will go to the grocery store for, like, a loaf of bread and right. spend, like, $200 on just, like, he'll come back and he'll be like, well, this was on sale and, like, I need a protein powder. And your mom's like... Yeah, and my mom's an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, my mom, my mom was like, oh, like, that's what she studied and, yeah. That's so fascinating. Yeah, and okay. she does, like, the bookkeeping at a college, so. So, yeah, I, I thought that kind of, that's how you can read your Venuses, like, okay. how they interact with each other. But I think that also, kind of going off of what you said looking at what might, like, one of the things it said was that Aries and Venus and Aries and Virgo, like, might not share a lot of similar interests, mm-hmm. which is kind of true for my parents. Like, they they don't, but, like, they, they give each other space. So, like, right, right, right. my mom lets my dad, like, read 17 books at one time, and my dad will, like, just let my mom draw and talk forever. Right. So, like, they, they very much, like, just balance each other out. Yeah. They don't, like, feel the need to be interested in the same Yes. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah. So, I thought that was super interesting. Yeah. So, like, if you want to, like, if look up your partner's, like, Venus, Venus okay. and, uh, and see what that is. So, the n- next thing that I found out was interchart aspects. Okay. And, yeah. So, this is really cool. What is it? Okay. <laughs> tell us what that means. Um, so, if you don't know what aspects are, go back and listen to episode Four, yes. Because I explain all of them. I'll kind of explain a little bit, but you'll understand it way better if you if you listen to episode four. So you can create, with two people, you can create a composite chart. And a composite chart is the chart of a person's relationship, and it uses the mathematical midpoints between each person's mm-hmm. planets. So basically you're just finding the aspects between a planet in your own chart and a planet in your partner's right. chart. I looked at... Pictures and it almost looks like you literally put them on top of each other. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, cool. So, Venus aspects are very important mm. because it's the the planet of love. Um, so the way this would be is like Venus. The person who has Venus in their chart would um, 
would take on like the Venus attributes. And then if they're making an aspect with another planet, just like any planet, then that person, they would take on the attributes of that planet oh, when dealing with love. Okay. Yeah. Um, so if you don't understand that quite yet, it took me a while. Um, I have some like examples and, and stuff like that. But as I said last time, there's like harmonious aspects and there are like problematic aspects. And for for Venus, like problematic, it doesn't necessarily mean like you shouldn't be together. Like it, the if you have like a square, which is a harder aspect, a problematic aspect. Yeah. If you have a square with another planet, that doesn't necessarily mean like break up, but it's just something to, to look at. So when, when Venus aspects with an outer planet, which are Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, that's good for the relationship. Okay. Um, so that means, like, person A in the relationship would have, their Venus would aspect with person B with an outer planet. Oh, okay. Yes. Cool. Okay. So it's like two plan- one planet from person A, one planet from person B, making an angle. And those are... Those would be harmonious angles. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh huh. So the reason that these are good relation relationships is because they have they're like long aspects, so they have time to like develop. Okay. Um. So when the opposite of that, if Venus is aspecting with a inner planet, the relationship can be like quicker and more passionate. So that's super interesting to think about. So for example, if um if Venus and Moon were inter aspects. So person A, Venus, uh, aspects with person B's moon. Um, they have a smooth relationship because Venus and the moon are both very like emotional yeah. planets. And there's a sense of fam- familiarity in oh, the relationship. Yeah. Okay. And also something interesting that I read was like, if you are attracted to something to someone where like you have no idea why you're attracted to them, Look at where their Venus is and, like, see if, like, your Venuses are... Which sounds so dirty. Well, it's like, how do you ask, how do right. you ask someone, like, P.S., like, when and where were you born? Right? At, at exactly what time were you born? <laughs> I mean, you could just, just put it on your Tinder profile and be like, I need to do your birth chart before like, yeah. we... P.S., if you want to do my birth chart, I was born yeah. in, this, in this place. But so, like, if you are just, like, if you find yourself attracted to someone and they're not your type and you have no idea why. Oh, it might be that their Venus is all up in a place. Yeah, (laughs) it might be that, that, like, (laughs) that either your Venus is, like, match or I don't, so, yeah, it's just something to, something So, is it, like, okay, here's a question. Mm -hmm. If there are those um, connections or, like, is it... Better if your Venuses are, like, <laughs> in similar places, or is it more about the angles that they hit? Like, it's more about the angles. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. not necessarily if they, like, fall in the same house. Correct. Or, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. I mean, a Venus and a Venus, like, could work, but, like, free love, I'm all about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right, it goes back to this idea that it's not, like, one size fits all. Yeah. It's just a way to, like, interpret any. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so also like, so the people who have the aspect of the Venus and the moon, they like being together a lot because they really like people. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
an issue with this could be that that Venus is more like charming and um and the moon is like the emotions are a little bit more down to earth so like if there are issues Venus could just try to like charm them away whereas like the moon yeah so there's there's negatives and positives for each one so then for another example Venus and Mars interchart Mars is like a yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I've, yeah, I've read a little bit about Mars. Because, one of, yeah, one of the things I said is if Mars is in your first house, you're, like, more aggressive yeah. and confident. And, and, like, also, like, sexuality is, is Mars. So, like... Yeah. Um, War and sex. Yeah. <laughs> so, if, like, Venus and Mars, if they're... Um, if they aspect... If they have, like, a harmonious aspect, it can be, like, very romantic and have, mm. like, a super strong sexual attraction so people who have Venus and Mars in conjunction are said to have, like, real good sex. <laughs> but this, like, couple could end up relying on that. Oh, yeah, okay. so it's, like, something to think about. Damn, I yeah. need you to do some charts for me. <laughs> this is so fascinating. Yeah. But also, Venus is, like, easily offended by Mars, so, mm-hmm. like... The Mars in whoever has the Mars could be offending that and like not even realize, just like oblivious to to that. Whereas like Venus is being offended, but like I mean, it can work out if they like communicate. It's mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But people with like a square or an opposition, uh, with a Venus and Mars are don't have good sex. <laughs> it's not a good like physical okay. match. I mean, and that could be proven wrong, but. Maybe they don't have good chemistry. Yes, okay. yeah. Yeah, so that's that's that. And then Venus and Jupiter, when they have an aspect, this is a really good relationship because, like, Jupiter is, um, is like, good fortune mm-hmm. and Venus is love. So they're, like, very compatible planets. Um, so, like, if people have an aspect of Venus and Jupiter, it's normally a good thing. So that kind of, also looking at Jupiter, you can also do, it. that's another good uh, planet to, like, see if you have aspects with, oh, okay. with anyone, because it is such, like, a a powerful planet. Mm-hmm. For Jupiter, when Jupiter is in aspect with the moon, that's really good, because, like, Jupiter can read their partner's emotions. Mm. Um, but Jupiter will also, like, if you do do the aspects for Jupiter... Um, the interchart aspects, and you can do interchart aspects for like every planet. Um, right. These are just like examples mm-hmm. um, for the two that are kind of most related to like relationships and love. But yeah, like if Mars is sextiling <laughs> Pluto, <laughs> that like you can read that for like an interchart. Okay. Uh, yeah. But when Ju- yeah, Jupiter is in aspect with the Moon, it's really good because Jupiter can read their partner's emotions and. Jupiter will often encourage the moon to emote. Oh. Isn't that a pretty, like, no, picture? No, that can suck. But I, I don't know, like, like, encouraging, like, encouraging them to, I don't know, like. <laughs> Sorry, I got, it's so dark. No, it is, it can be nice. Uh, so, and, and Jupiter will often, like, encourage them to, like grow Mm, so like it's not like Jupiter is like always good like Jupiter can point out your flaws but it'll be more in like an encouragement to like grow right like back to the likelihood of gaining or improving something yeah the relationship yeah exactly so like even when it's in square and opposition Jupiter is like a, a good thing to to look at okay yeah yeah so those are like 
the main thing. Like, I think that the inner chart is really interesting. Yeah, totally. Um, there's also, like, overlays and, like, stuff with suns, but that could be a whole other Yeah, I'm sure thing. it could yeah. just go on. Yeah. Cool. So I think that's super interesting. Yeah. Um, so now, do you want to read Polly's yes, email? Yes, yeah. Cool. So we got an email from um, someone that works with Erin. Her name is Pollock, yes. and she knew that we were talking about compatibility and sent us an awesome email, and you, everyone should email us, and we'll read them on the show. Yes, <laughs> adjunctastrologers at gmail.com. Yeah, so now we owe her a thank you horoscope, yes, but yeah. we're going to do that on the next episode. Yes, yeah, we will We will be doing that, so thank you, Pollock, for it. She, her and I talk about it a lot in the office. She's like very interested in, um, in astrology, so I will, yeah, I'll just read it. Pollock's really good at planning stuff. She is. She planned a ghost tour that we went on last night, and it was so fun. Oh, my God. It was great. I couldn't turn my light off last night. (laughs) (laughs) It, like, wasn't super scary in the moment. Like, nothing jumped out or... All right. So, the email goes like this. Hi, Erin and Michelle. In episode three, y'all talked briefly about how astrology is different for different cultures, and it made me remember a bunch of different things that my mom told me a while ago. To clarify, my parents immigrated from India in the 80s, and they had an arranged marriage. Astrology is a major part of Indian culture, and while I don't claim to be a professional, I did ask my mom to clarify some things for me before I sent this email. Below are some facts that you can use if you want. Yay. They're so organized. Her email is so great. I know, okay. I love it. Um, so first, my mom told me that I was born at 6.09 p.m. According to the time I was born and my birth date, September 26th, my mom named me Pollock because it starts with a P. She initially was going to name me something else, but that name didn't start with the right letter, which is ascribed to my zodiac sign and the time I was born. I'm a Libra according to the Western astrology, but in Vedic astrology, I'm a Virgo. Interesting. Yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah. Um, but her and I yesterday were talking about how we're both Libras, and I was like, I, I can tell you're a Libra. Right. <laughs> um, those dates go from the 11th of every month with instead of the 24th, like in Western astrology. I've only ever read about being a Libra, and I feel like it's a pretty good estimation of who I am, but maybe I'm just... I'm really just a Virgo in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that, too. Yeah. Um... As I said before, my parents had an arranged marriage. It wasn't super terrible. They got to meet each other a bunch of times, and they both got to say whether they were okay with the match before they were married. But one of the reasons they were arranged to meet is because of their signs. In the Western Zodiac, my dad is a Taurus, and my mom is a Scorpio Sagittarius cusp. In the Vedic Zodiac, my dad is an Aries, and my mom is solidly Scorpio. However, their arrangement was also based on their star charts, which were created when they were born. A priest compared these charts and decided if these two were compatible. The same thing happened for deciding the dates of their engagement ceremony and wedding. An auspicious date had to be found before they could get engaged or married, and it had to be chosen by a priest, not just some rando who reads star charts. (laughs) Is that a subtweet? My mom says she has my star charts for sure in India, but she may have a copy at home. She said if she finds it, she'll send it over to me. I also remember an uncle coming to visit once when I was in high school and he read my chart 
and told me a bunch of different stuff I don't remember except that I do remember he told me I would only ever have one surgery in my life <gasps> I don't know if you can read that in a star chart but he did somehow <laughs> Has she had surgery yet? I don't know. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, my mom doesn't believe wholeheartedly in Vedic astrology. She obviously consults it enough to help her make major decisions in her life, like naming me and my brother and choosing certain dates for important events. Apparently, my dad still regularly likes to get his chart read, but I'm not sure if he changes the way he lives his life based on that. My parents were never one to read horoscopes, as far as I can remember, but they definitely see some power in astrology. Sorry for the long email, but I hope you find this interesting and insightful. Big fan of the podcast, and you're welcome to read any or all of this on the podcast if you want. Feel free to contact me if you have any questions. Oh, thank Isn't you so great? much, Pollock. That was such a well-written email. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your time, Paula. Yes, yeah. Thank you for, like, contacting your mom. And yeah. I, lo- I love how her name. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. I wonder if she's had surgery. I know. Um, but, yeah, email us more stuff. Please. Anyone. Yeah. Any, anything like like this. We, any, yeah. any questions? I can maybe help. <laughs> yeah, any questions, we'll try to answer them. Corrections. Yes. Stories. Yeah. 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 Otherwise, thanks for listening. Yes, thank you. We're on a... What else? We're on iTunes. We're on yes, Stitcher we're on now. Stitcher. Um, we're going to be tweeting out the Stitcher link. Yes. Um, we're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. Ooh, we're on Google Play. Yeah, we are on Google Play. For all you Google people. I know. Google phones out there. And I'm, I've been looking at the data and... We seem to have listeners. You guys are listening. Yeah. Yeah. So hit us up. Contact us. We'd love to hear from you. Twitter. Yeah, we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Facebook. Oh, I started a Facebook. Oh, yeah. We started a Facebook. So you can like us there. Yeah. So, and we're starting to tweet out homework. Yeah. (laughs) If you like to think about astrology, like you want a little homework assignment, how to work on yourself, how to work on your relationship, follow us on Twitter. Yeah. Um... But otherwise, thanks for coming. Yes, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.